0: starting. Um, the beginning's always awkward. Every person that's going live on, on Facebook or YouTube, they say, wow, I think it's live. I'm not sure it's live. <laughs> it's funny. All right. Now, hello, everyone. It looks like we are live everywhere. This is uh, Mike Zenker with Still Growing in Grace, and I'm with David Hayward, uh, known as the Naked Pastor, which is a hilarious, cheeky uh, uh, title. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was a pun. Sorry. So David, uh, introduce yourself. Tell us where you're from. Hi.
1: Yeah. Hi, Mike, and thanks for having me on your show. Hello, everybody out there. Um, uh, yeah, my name's David Hayward, but uh, most people know me not by David Hayward, but by Naked Pastor um, as a cartoonist and a writer, and you know all kinds of things. Um, I live in near Saint John, New Brunswick, in a little town called Sis, New Brunswick. And um, I'm married. I have we have three grown children, and um, I basically do what I do online. Um, I, I was a, a minister. I was a pastor for about 30 years. Wow. But I left the ministry in um, 2010. So there's hope for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, 30 yeah. years this hope. year. <laughs> there's always hope. I hung in there for, th- you know, a good 30 years. And, um, and then uh, from there, I, I taught in university for a couple of years. And then uh, then I decided to try to make a go of it pastor full time. And it works. So that's what I'm doing now. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love, I've been following your art for a while. Um, in fact, did the one you put up today was that brand new today? Yeah,
1: I okay. drew that today.
0: Okay, this, is this this is the one right here. So yeah. <laughs> those that are watching, you can see. Um, I actually want to print this and bring it down to the pet store in my town because they'll love this. <laughs> We're gonna get your name out there, David. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. You know. <laughs> Um, what, what launched your, uh, cartoons? Because I think this, com- again, this is going to be a conversation. I have two, two things I want to hear about, uh, today. One, um, how do we deal with COVID-19 stress and how, uh, and guarding our thoughts and staying positive, especially as believers, whether you call yourself a Christian or not, but mm. this is, this is for all of us in renewing our mind or being focused and intentional and, and not getting sucked into the negativity. But then your your journey of faith, there are others that are uh, walking the same mm-hmm. path as you or are wanting to or have questions. And when you hear somebody else being honest about their journey, it gives you permission to ask your own questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: So what what launched all this?
1: Okay, well, my cartoons, um, I've been doing cartoons now since about 2005. Now, before then, I've always drawn and I know I've know i always painted. I've been an artist for my whole life, as far back as I can remember. My dad was an artist. He painted, and I just, you know, I would draw things all the time. But um, I started my blog in about 2004 or five or something. But one day, I decided to, like, I love a good cartoon. And there was a couple of cartoonists I, I was uh, – following and i thought you know what why don't i try to draw a cartoon give myself i'll try to draw a cartoon every day see how it goes i thought i'd last a couple of weeks here i am going 15 years later (laughs) uh drawing a cartoon pretty much nearly every day wow uh, unless i'm i don't feel like it or we're busy or something comes up or i can't think of anything uh but um what do you call it when it's uh if you can't write it's a writer's block but if you're a cartoonist what's it called artist block, artist okay. block, creativity <laughs> block whatever um but it happens and um but um i just found my traffic and audience started to go up after i did cartoons like people were drawn to them oops oh that's a pun um but they they uh they just have a way of communicating a lot in just a second or two. Yep. Um, you know, by the time, you know, you can see my cartoon in one or two seconds and, and the message t- is delivered rather than having to read a thousand word blog post. Yep. And so I just found a really effective way to communicate. Yeah. You're the shortcut King. Yeah. It's shortcut. It bypasses the, you know, rational intellect. Uh, uh, it, uh, hits your heart, um, go straight for the jugular. Sometimes it can be offensive or funny or, you know, um, educational or controversial or whatever. And, uh, it just, I just found them really, really effective. So I have fun doing it and I love, I love doing it, but also, um, I've, I find them just really practically effective at communicating what I want to communicate. So, um, yeah, so I've been doing them now for 15 years. So, I noticed that uh, you seem, if, if somebody takes a look
0: at your cartoons and mm-hmm. misjudges it, the first mis- misjudgment, I think, is that you're taking pot shots at the church or God. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that? Because I don't think you are, but mm-hmm. I can see how people could see that on the front end, especially religious folks right. would feel offended.
1: Yeah. What, so, what are you trying to do? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm, I try to be very clear. Uh, but it's impossible to say every time I post <laughs> um, that like, I actually have a lot of appreciation for the church and the church did a great deal for me. Uh, it was an amazing, an, an amazing place. That's where I experienced true community at times. Uh, I also experienced a lot of hurt, but um, you know, mm-hmm. it was just, well, uh, if you're
0: a pastor for 30 years, of course yeah. you're going to experience hurt.
1: Yeah. And uh I I just think the church's greatest asset is its ability to provide community. And when it works, it's awesome. But when it doesn't work, it's terrible. Yeah. And so I see I see very few, it's kind of rare to see really healthy functional community happening in churches. And it's discouraging to me. Um I see a lot of power and control and hierarchy and patriarchy and yep. um, sexism and uh, uh, homophobia and, you know, xenophobia, all kinds of stuff. Yep. And um, it's just of fear, yeah, a lot of fear. And so I criticize what um, the, the church's abuse of its identity. So, so maybe it's not so much it,
0: criticizing as it is calling it out. Right? It out. Yeah. That's, I think that's better. Like I can, people, I can hear people say, well, we shouldn't be criticizing, you know, well, hang on. <laughs> Jesus sure called yes. out stuff. He didn't criticize. He called it out and said, this is yeah. not the plan. This yeah, is not how we you were did. designed.
1: I'm, not, You know, it, it's funny when I was in the church, people are, would say to me, you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you. <laughs> and then, Now that I've left the church, people are saying you have no right to criticize something you're not wow. a part of. Wow. And so, um, but I, I was there, I, I did my best for my whole life. You know, I was, I was a pastor for 30 years, but I also was in the church longer than that. And um, so I, you know, the, I served the church for a long time and I've seen the inside and the out of what goes on. I've seen the underbelly, I've seen behind the curtain and uh, I know what goes on there. And um, you know, when it works, it works and it's powerful. When it doesn't work, it's really destructive and hurts a yeah. lot of people. So that's why I, as you say, call out the church and try to um, challenge it to live up to its calling. You know, mm.
0: What I have uh, enjoyed about your cartoons, especially on Facebook, um, I have a lot of unchurched friends who believe in God. They just don't believe in the system. Mm. And so when those cartoons come up, um, they're calling out what they're seeing. Like you're, you're drawing truth as in that's the very reason why I don't go to church. Or that's the very reason I don't believe in God um, mm-hmm. because God isn't the issue. It's the rep- misrepresentation of who he is. Mm-hmm. And I, personally, I've been on a deconstruction, reconstruction journey for a while. Brad Jerzek last week um, used the term, uh, call it a renovation. And so even on the title of today's program, I put in deconstruction, uh, reconstruction, the renovation of our faith. Mm-hmm. um because i know your cartoons are about the whole deconstruction and reconstruction uh, that that's what i'm so, noticing
1: yeah so i i i want to i want to be clear that uh i i i want to see the church work yeah the real when, church when it does when it does live up to its calling yeah it's powerful nothing can beat it and um you know there's a lot of crazy silly stupid um destructive uh, concepts about God and Christ and the Holy yeah. Spirit and, you know, um, things like that that I, I call out uh, because um, I think if, if we continue to challenge ourselves to think outside the box and to grow and to progress in our, in our thinking, to be transformed uh, by the renewing of our mind, then um, I think we can see powerful things happen in our communities and, and in the world. But as long as we stay dogmatic and fundamentalist, then mm. uh, it's just going to keep dividing us.
0: So what, what would you say is one of the biggest problems uh, in the traditional church that is preventing people from seeing a more hopeful perspective?
1: Well, th- there's a lot, but yes, there's a lot. But um, see, I don't have a problem with churches having buildings or having clergy. Or raising money, or you know, paying staff, or um, you know, having worship bands and having smoke and mirrors <laughs> and literally dry, <laughs> dry ice and lights and yeah. I, got, all that stuff is yeah. uh, you know just secondary. For me, the issue is the quality of relationship and, and, the, and uh, n- not the abuse of power. So what, this is what I see, churches don't like chaos, uh, but I've seen that when people are allowed to be free, um, when they are allowed to be authentic, yep. uh, it creates for powerful growth and powerful community, uh, the quality of community. For me, if a church is struggling with this question, this has always been for me the question. How can I be free without violating your freedom? Ah. If, if a church can struggle with that question, how can we enable people to be free, empower people to be free, mm-hmm. while at the same time not violating the freedom of others? If we can figure that out. And be so loving can, about way, it. It's the same with my wife and I. How can I be totally authentically me without hurting oh. her? And, and how can she authentically be herself without hurting me? How can we grow into fully independent quality human beings while staying together in a quality, mm. authentic relationship. And if a church can struggle with that, I think it's on its way to being a really healthy community.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah we, my church hasn't arrived. <laughs> We've been unlearning
1: a lot. But it's but not I, arriving though. That's my no. point. My point yeah. is, is struggling with that issue. If, you, no. if a church is struggling with that issue, no church has arrived. There's no perfect church. There's only perfect moments. Do you know what do you know what my church did when I got my, when I, my
0: wife found this ad for my job. She, it said, perfect church seeks perfect pastor. That was the title of the ad, dot, dot, dot. Just kidding. But on and on it went. Uh-huh. So
1: that's how they, that's how they
0: launched it. And so <laughs> anyway, it's no.
1: funny. It's really funny. No, there's no, there's no perfect church unless they're all perfect. You know, there's a, uh, you know, I've, I've been a part. I, and I know there's some churches out there that really strive to be authentic and, and, and create an environment of freedom for its members and for the community. And they're, they're really exciting to be a part of that community. Uh, and they do not claim to be perfect. In fact, that would be the death of it. You have to, it's an experiment mm-hmm. that you conduct every single day.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Okay, I'm going to run to a, the uh, initial topic today, um, okay. given your background and given uh, your lens of being part of the church world, so you know what they think like, mm-hmm. and you're, uh, you're obviously observing what's going on online from people, uh, mm-hmm. believers on left and right sides and extreme <laughs> left, extreme right. Um, how would you, Have you had a chance to talk to people about how to address the negative stress in the media negative stress with COVID-19 how to approach it, how to de-stress from it.
1: Has that been a conversation with you? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Okay. Um, Yeah. uh, And the number one thing I tell people is um, just be gracious with yourself. Mm. (laughs) We're in the middle of a pandemic, so (laughs) things aren't Normal. And don't expect life to be normal. And it's okay to be down and feel unproductive and be unproductive and uh, to be drained and maybe depressed and worried and anxious. So th- all those things are human, natural human responses and coping mechanisms for for crises and trauma, which we're in the middle of. Like we're in the middle yeah. of a crisis. We're in the middle of traumatizing events. And um, you know, so that's the first thing I tell people is, hey, just just be gracious with yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Then.
1: Do, just focus on the small things. And that's, you know, that's what I try to do um, and encourage others to do the same. Don't, you know, I, I, I remember at the beginning people, were, I'm going to take this opportunity to write that book I've been wanting to write. <laughs> you know, it's like, they just can't seem to get, get it done because they're, they're, they're just overwhelmed. And now they're life.
0: beating themselves up because they, they had this goal. Yep. Double guilt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm just like, Hey, like, just, relax. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that uh, my wife and I have discovered, uh, during this, my wife's a nurse, by the way, and she works in a palliative care facility. Oh, wow. And so we're very extremely cautious about the whole quarantining and distancing yeah. and wearing a mask and, you know, hand sanitizer with all bit. Like we're very, very, very cautious. And our bubbles are very small. So we're, uh, but one thing that we've learned is, you know, get offline. Uh, we mm-hmm. live across the road from a river. We go down with our beach chairs and sit on the river, you know, maybe have a, have a glass of wine, watching the boats go by uh, and just talk or read or nothing, you know, and, and it's, just, it's just those little things. You know, we've always been taught you need to be before you do. Well, mm-hmm. This is this is something that we're almost being forced to learn is just how to be, mm-hmm. and uh, for a lot of people though, there's a lot of guilt and shame associated with it that they're not accomplishing something or building something or creating something or finishing something. So uh,
0: mm-hmm. I just
1: I just tell people just relax, you know, be just be, you know, and this is a time to be. Mm-hmm. Do you think this pandemic is? Um
0: bringing to the surface undealt with issues in people's lives because oh. now we've been, we've been able to distract ourselves from facing any issues by staying busy. And now we're having to almost stop and pause. Right. Like I've heard some people call this pandemic, the great pause.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've, um, been writing a lot more in my journal and, uh, which I've done for decades now. And, uh, and then there's little things that I'll, I'll do as well. Like get, just get offline. Like, I'll, I, I get my news source mostly from Twitter. So, um, I, uh, and what, what I consider, um, uh, you know, reputable sources and, uh, I'll just, I'll just get off Twitter now. And because I noticed a real big change in my mental health. Mm-hmm. After I, uh, after 2016 happened and, um, since then and just me being overwhelmed with news and information. And that was very depressing to me, very concerning to me. And I noticed a real big change in my mental health, my emotional health. And so I, I find, you know, the, yeah, the, the, the great pause is just a pause, um, getting information like there's so much information information overload for sure so i'll yeah. just I'll just get offline for like many hours if not half the day you know and uh well, if i want to find out what's happening in the world i scroll quickly through twitter i find out very quickly what's happening then i get back off and um i don't inundate my mind with all this information you know uh i just heard um i think this morning i think the new count for COVID deaths in the United States alone is 185,000 people. That's a lot of people who who have died around us. You know, I'm in Canada, you're in Canada, but you know, my wife's American, we have a lot of friends in the States, and a lot of my followers are in the States. That's traumatizing, you know, to lose, you know, I think soon it's gonna be a quarter million. If it's not already, we don't even know the real figures. And that's, that should be traumatizing to any normal person. And, um, you know, so we're in the middle of a a huge crisis and to be experiencing trauma is to be understood and normal.
0: I think Paul Young two weeks ago, he was saying that six of his wife's side of the family, um, family members have COVID and are are quite sick. Yeah. Just having a really hard time. This is a real thing. It's not a fake news. It's not a fake virus. No, I
1: have friends in the States and every I think everyone I know knows somebody in their family or close to them who have COVID or have died of COVID already. So it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I have a lot of family in the States as well. And um, it's, it's very scary. And uh, you know, there was a lot of stress connected with that too, like uh, with my wife and um, uh, just us being super careful Uh, the last thing she would want to do is carry COVID into the palliative care facility. Yes. And, um, you know, it's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress associated with it. So, you know, we just practice the very, very simple things, like just being still just not feeling the pressure to do anything and uh, just understanding ourselves and being gracious with ourselves. I think that goes a long way. And then not, not to feel ashamed about it. You
0: know? mm-hmm. Especially those who are busy, busy, you know, you feel bad for taking a rest, <laughs> you know, cause yeah. you're used to always go, 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 go. Right. Know? Right. Um, but I like yeah. the advice of uh, removing yourself from uh, like disconnect from media, uh, mm-hmm. the internet, uh, and just have quiet time. I was on a boat last night for the first time in a number of years. Somebody took me on their motorboat and went fishing. Nice. I was like, I didn't know I needed that. Yeah. And so when I was done, it's like, Huh? Dang! Yeah. I gotta. I need to do this a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, you know, because I'm yeah. so trying to react to all the stuff that's going on. And with my world, I've got um, you know a couple jobs, trying to make sure I make ends meet. Is my job going to last? Oh no. So I have all these fears playing out in my head and I play this game and I just, I'm preaching through a series on how to, how to walk through the stress. And I got to listen to my own messages, you know, (laughs) you know, the be still was a big one. Be loved was a big one. You know, beloved is really be loved. Do you know you're loved? Do you know your identity rest in that peace? And Mm -hmm. this is a great time to ponder the somebody loving and doling on you, you know, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been, it's been a, it's been a wild time for sure. And then trying to strategize, you know, our, our church is looking at reopening in person services in uh, late September. And what does that mean? Well, there's a whole new level of stress and work connected to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it's, it's unique. And I think very, see, extreme, very extreme and unusual times. Yep. And, we, and with my leadership team and people in my church, we've got opinions that vary oh, from all over. Well, you know what? Everybody's overblowing this, or we don't have to wear masks, or we, you know, all these different expressions. And what I've had to learn is have everyone at least acknowledge that there are other perspectives that we may totally disagree with. But obviously, look at that one person. Are they intelligent? Do you trust them? Yes. And, but they hold a different belief. Okay. Then don't get mad at them. You know, like this is, this is about relationship. You're talking about healthy communities. I think the more conversations of giving permission for varied beliefs allows for better relationships because then you have greater discussions without having to be right. Cause I have a, I have a hunch. Churchianity is more about being more right than other people than yeah. it is even about Christ. And yeah.
1: that's, that's scary. Yeah. So I have an online community called the lasting supper that I launched in 2012 for people who are deconstructing and um, it's come in very handy during this COVID crisis when, you know, a lot of them have already left the church, but some hadn't. And now, you know, it's an online community. So yeah. there's a couple of hundred members there and one, uh, we just have a value system in place that people, we we encourage them to catch on to as quickly as possible. There's a great wide diversity of people there, anything from church going believers to Atheists mm-hmm. uh, who, who used to be believers and now are atheists and left the church and will never go back, etc. Yep. And everybody in between, and, and it's a wonderful, dynamic, energetic, loving community, supportive. But we, it's only because we respect one another and we refuse to argue. Mm, okay love anybody. it. So and. One of the analogies I use to help people try to understand how we do things is the potluck supper, which most churches know about, where you bring something to the potluck and you put it on the long table or whatever. And when you go up to fill your plate, you you move along. If you see something you like, you put it on your plate. If you see something you like, you don't put it on your plate, but you don't say anything about it. (laughs) Dude, who it, made this? This is disgusting. Whether or not some gluten intolerant or whatever. You just keep moving. You don't say anything. You don't like it. You don't take it. It's a really good analogy. You can't put it on your plate. If you do like it, you put it on your plate. No comment, right? Um, mm-hmm. And um, and if you take something and nobody eats it, you don't say, why didn't anybody eat my stuff? You ungrateful but you know, whatever. You just <laughs> quietly take your dish home and say, I won't take that again. Yes, and, and so that's the way we treat it at the Lasting Supper. Is if if somebody says something you don't agree with, just move on. Don't start a fight. Yeah, and uh, you just say, "Well, that's their opinion. It's not mine." But I'm not going to, you know, if this isn't the place to debate. This isn't the place to argue, because I've learned debate and argument are absolutely useless, a complete waste of time. And and if we want to enjoy the quality of community, if you want to, if you want to debate politics or health measures or theology there are places for that yep but not here here we're learning how to uh vent honestly what we're going through in our deconstruction Mm -hmm. and listen without judgment and
0: and that's it so deconstruction how would you define that because that's the other topic i wanted to get into because that one's dear to me um How would you, what, what is deconstruction for somebody that's not heard the term or what's a healthy way to understand that?
1: Deconstruction, well, I actually, I, I, need, I need to look back on my records, but I think I'm the first one who used that in reference to uh, changing your beliefs. Okay. It's originally a, a, ter- a philosophical term. Um, Derrida um, is the one who invented the term deconstruction. Uh, but I'm. I took the term because I was studying it at the time. I thought hmm, this sounds like, you know, a good way to explain when our beliefs crumble mm-hmm. and erode, and fall apart. And it usually comes and, to crisis, right? Yeah, it's definitely a crisis, absolutely. And and so I call it deconstruction, where instead of building up, it, it's unbuilt, mm-hmm. <laughs> and things fall apart. And uh, so. Uh, that's what I call deconstruction is when your beliefs change. Yep. And I mean, in a ra- kind of radical way. And uh, when they start to erode and slip away and lose meaning for you, for for most people, if not all, that's a very traumatizing experience. Okay. So trigger.
0: <laughs> um, I've been discussing deconstruction with a lot of people for the last couple of years now. And this COVID crisis, you add the anxiety of deconstructing uh, some pretty big pillars of faith in your life. Now you've got this COVID crisis and all this extra crisis hitting you. Um, I think those that are in a deconstruction journey are even more anxious or traumatized because of all this. Because now they've just, they're, they're seeing that everything can be questioned. Now they're questioning the news. This is a very vicious spin cycle in my mind.
1: Well, the common thing between those two, though, is uh, the necessity to think for ourselves mm. rather than spin believing what we've been conditioned to believe or yep. believing yep. whatever we're told. Yep. Yep. So we need to we need to learn how to be discerning. I think that's the one gift of the spirit that is completely <laughs> lacking. But I and want I the want other God. gifts. I want the more exciting ones. <laughs> discernment man I mean <laughs> where is it discernment you know so um, I, I think that's what the common thread is uh, the mm-hmm. necessity to become discerning and learn to think for yourself uh, so you know I know I was conditioned and what to believe in growing up in we Christian. All were. and yeah no matter who you are no matter what religion or non-religion even atheist friends I know I, I know atheists who are deconstructing from their atheism upbringing um in order to become spiritual more yeah. spiritual uh more spiritually aware so it, it goes both ways so it's, it's basically uh a, a unconditioning a okay, yeah, yeah. of your belief system
0: that yeah. that's good but that's not the goal is to just strip it down right like i'm i hear people um are afraid of deconstruction because it lends the to the idea that it means nothing is left when you're done you're destroying it's like you're deconstructing a cabin to nothing so there's nothing left but that's not the point of deconstruction is it well
1: this is this is where i part company with a lot of people okay uh, because i actually don't encourage reconstruction okay so help me, under, help
0: me understand because okay, I think I'll, I'll, I know okay. what you mean, but I'm, I really want to hear your heart on this because my, well, world, the people that I'm connected to this conversation is going to be really important.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm in a house here I bought and it was a, it was basically because we're on a river. It's used to be an old cottage and it was all chopped up in little rooms. I love open concept. So what I did was I myself, I took all the walls down put up post and beams and opened it all up. Wow. And so it's open concept. Now the kitchen, living room, dining rooms, all one big happy space. Um, and I like space and I like openness and I like that freedom. So when we're deconstructing our conditioning, what we've been conditioned to believe, why the anxiety about replacing something that was, I don't like to use the word false because that means that it was all a lie. I don't mean it yeah. was all a lie. It, means it, it, it just means it doesn't work anymore.
0: Mm.
1: Um, why, why that anxiety to build something back up again? So I encourage people <laughs> not to not to rebuild something right at least right away. Like I know a lot of people, they experience a, a lot of anxiety around their yep. reconstruction. They're no longer believing in the same things. And they immediately jump into yoga, yep. Buddhism, atheism um crystals new age whatever because they need a container they they need some kind of label to describe where they're at i'm anti-label i don't believe in wearing labels sometimes they're handy sometimes they're useful sometimes they're practical but i don't need the label you need the label to understand (laughs) You think you need the label. Uh, I need the label on myself so you can read what my contents are. I don't need that label. Only but rela-
0: relationship, true relationship doesn't require label. No, that's so true. Nobody, nobody, well, want, nobody wants to take the time for a relationship. They want the label so they can read your mind and judge you
1: instantly. So my, my point about not reconstructing is clearing out all. It's like, um, it's like uh, weeding a garden. I use this analogy too. It's like preparing a garden. Let's say you have a tomato plant and you plant the seed, you, you clear the stones, you clear the stump, you break up the ground, you, you uh, add in mulch, or you add in not mulch, um, compost, fertilizer, you plant the seed, you water, you wait. You keep weeding, keep it clear, keep, try to keep the birds away, try to keep the deer away, try to keep the rabbits away you hope, hopefully it gets sun, you keep nourishing it, nourishing it, and eventually the tomato will grow. It's the same with deconstruction. Like 99% of the work is just getting stuff out of the way. And then once all the stuff's out of the way, the stones, the stumps, the weeds, the birds, the deer, the rabbit, all this stuff, it'll grow. Mm -hmm. Who you are to be will, will grow naturally without force and, like and that. so that's what i encourage it's just
0: it's let, just let god grow you
1: let it let Gee. it all go let it all go
0: yeah and, and that's like a disney song isn't it sorry <laughs> sorry
1: no, no, it's kind of, i think it's frozen but, it is
0: let yeah. it go let it go yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, let it go. Like, a, like my daughter always says, like, like a balloon, let it go. As, go. A,
0: as a pastor, um, that was really hard for me. Uh, in fact, uh, I was telling you just briefly before we began, but about 20 years ago, I started discovering my identity in Christ, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, number one, I didn't know I was actually forgiven. I thought I had to beg for my forgiveness and it was up to me to stay forgiven up you know, by okay. how I repented and prayed and I'm a, I'm a senior pastor of a church and I'm just chorusing what everybody else is saying too. But when I discovered I, I was completely forgiven, a weird sense of freedom hit that I could never have experienced. Mm-hmm. And I didn't try to figure it out anymore. I didn't try to fit the other stuff into my, into my box, but I did as a pastor because pastors have to be prepared to give an answer because that's our job. Um, I had to understand all these other categories and I went searching like crazy, trying to figure out who God is better. And, and God kind of stopped me six months later and says, so how's it going? How are you doing on your own there? Eh? you know, (laughs) you're coming up with some good answers, aren't you? No, I'm not. Well, stop trying. Let me reveal as the time goes don't try to help me out I don't need your help and right. I hear that from your plant idea of just just be be who you are you know the the idea of letting go of all these beliefs if it's true it's it's gonna stick if it's not true it'll fizzle away and we gotta be okay with that that's scary
1: so it, it's a, a it's a mystical kind of approach to I like life, that word where you're where you're rather than living through the filter of your beliefs, receiving uh, experience through the filter of belief. Is this wrong? Is this right? Is this pure? Is this impure? Is this secular? Is this sacred? Mm -mm. Is this holy? Is this unholy? You know, instead of all that, and, and also instead of relating to the world through the filter of beliefs, who can I love? Who should I not love? Who should I reject? Who should I allow in the church who should we not allow in the church who is who is pure who is you know all this stuff we live directly wow. immediately with that with love and and um and th- then you you realize that beliefs play an entirely different role um when you live when you live directly it's it's kind of like in a loving relationship like, like with lisa and i i i don't need to uh, um i don't need to I don't need information, hmm. uh, I don't need data, I don't need beliefs about her in order to enjoy her or for her to enjoy me. It's immediate. That love that we share is immediate, the experience is immediate without the filter of, of uh, words and language and everything. Right. So, that, yep. uh, and the same goes with uh, the, our spiritual lives. I think we can live that authentically, that directly, with that immediacy mm. and spontaneity. Um, and and so, letting all these beliefs go, it's a it's a it's a mystical kind of approach to life. But, and it's scary at first. But once you get the hang of it, then <clears throat> there's nothing more beautiful.
0: But what I've noticed, and I love that uh, out in the east, uh, the eastern world, they're used to mystical. That's normal. The, the Eastern church is more mystical than the Western. Western church, Western thinking seems to be locked up into cubbyholes and boxes of clear, concise, here's the doctrine, there we go. Don't mess with that box. And if, uh, if you have the box, you don't have to think. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to respond because I've got my box and the box tells me what to believe. So there isn't really faith required. Um, yeah. Has has that concept uh, hit you ever, or have you looked into Eastern um, oh, yeah. No, Western oh, yeah. dualism?
1: Like, yeah, like um, I've uh, I've done a lot of reading in Eastern stuff, and and they have their issues. Like yep. the, uh, any philosophy, any religion, any approach uh, to life uh, has issues. That's mm-hmm. why that's why I I call these things all experiments or mm suggestions or it's like the scientific community um we were talking about quantum physics earlier you mentioned somebody who's into quantum physics i love reading physics uh i i can't believe i am saying that (laughs) i sucked in science and math and so on but um uh the quantum physics world is is fascinating and in the world of science they have a, a sort of a a code of ethic that says everything must be falsifiable in other words n- whatever statement we make we need to accept the fact that it could be wrong is no. falsifiable everything's <laughs> falsifiable and and otherwise research stops and we see that happening in the theological world in oh the yeah world. If we, we make a statement, it's not falsifiable. It's absolutely true. Because Invest- God told you, right? Stops. Yeah, investigation stops. Mm-hmm. Study stops. Research stops. Changing our mind stops. Change stops. So uh, that's why I, I think everything needs to be handled with open open hands. I
0: love that. I uh, was listening to a uh, doctor, medical doctor, who was teaching. His name is Bruce Walkup. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's from Australia. He's connected to Baxter Kruger. Have you heard of Baxter? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is this is his one of his Australian guys, uh-huh. and he was teaching and talking about. Um, how the early church had there was two categories. The Eastern Church had one long strain, and they they didn't divorce science. But the um, the uh, other the early church, the the ones that came to Constantine and what he what he did, and Augustine came in, and blah blah blah. That whole. Uh, Western mindset created a sense of dualism and, and separation theology came in like you wouldn't believe. They divorced science. Um, and by the time I got done realizing how I have been conditioned by my world in my country and my Western okay. thinking, um, I knew what I was learning about God being better than I thought, uh, the angry God concept. Um, I was wrestling with that. I, I knew what I was hearing from certain people was true, but... Why was, was I having a hard time when I listened to Bruce teach that he, it's a series on, on YouTube called what is the gospel. And, um, I realized that I thought there was a wall in front of me, stopping me from seeing something really important Mm -hmm. until I realized there wasn't a wall in front of me. I was in the wall, the Western wall of conditioned thinking that did not allow me to see another perspective. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that I wept, I realized oh my goodness I have so much more to learn my my tight-fisted theology is now open-handed father put in whatever needs to go in take out whatever you know it's it's out of my control what else am I going to learn and it's going to be scary because i'm going to start to believe things i didn't think were true and i'm and vice versa so it it's really scary just giving in and letting the holy spirit be your teacher instead of man
1: well it's it's, it's like Galileo, right, who um, his scientific uh, discoveries were uh, challenging the theology of the church mm-hmm. and were rejected because, um, you know, because Galileo was decentralizing uh, the earth and man, uh, generic man. Um, and, and it was just too upsetting for the church to accept. And yeah. so, and that, that's still happening today all the time. Yeah. Um, Copernicus and so on the Copernican revolution is, it's always happening where, um, we refuse to change our minds because it, it decentralizes something that is central to us. So, and I, you know, I'm, there's something I tried to do when I was a preacher was preach open handedly, so that doesn't mean like I I preach away and then at the end I say or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that. It's more like here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, here's what I'm sensing. They're invite uh, you're inviting them into your thoughts, right? And I, I, I would literally be on the same level with them and say, "What are you guys thinking? Um, what 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 are, your, what are your thoughts?" It was very back and forth discussion, question and answer, because um, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to be their guru. And I knew that we were on a a journey together to understand. And um, so if we were truly an authentic community, we all contribute to our health. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. So deconstruction.
0: Um, where have you seen the greatest, um, categories of deconstruction where people are saying, Hey, this is where I'm having a hard time. And I'll, I'll lead you in with this, uh, a number of years ago, I think it was five years ago. I heard Paul Young at a conference, him and Baxter were there and they were, there had the stool in the middle of the, of the, um, of the stage. And the one side, there was three chairs, Trinity, and then they had the singular angry God over on the other side, but the stool was in the middle. And Paul made a funny joke. he said, "Atheists um, is where the stool is, and the stool is probably the the best place for atheists because the angry God people are moving away from that angry God and don 't believe in that god well we don 't believe in that God anymore either we're we 're on the journey. Atheism is actually one of the best bridges to being ready for a better wider truth and so it's funny how you call it a stool sample <laughs> you know <laughs> you know because you're moving away from the crap yeah. and i thought that was very interesting and that's that's kind of where i'm seeing things but where are you seeing people um running towards deconstruction what what, what kind of topics Yeah, are you... no i
1: i don't i don't see anybody running towards deconstruction i see most people nobody wants to deconstruct in my opinion, my observation, it, it happens to you mm. now. Obviously, you've somehow prepared prepared for it because you know we're not victims here. Yeah. I think deconstruction is actually growth. We used to call it backsliding <laughs> or doubting God yeah, yeah. or betraying Christ or whatever. Uh, now we call it growth. It's it's growth. I love the that. church, the church is awesome at helping us become grow up into about adolescence but then when we start to rebel and question authority that's when the church drops the ball because it doesn't want that um and and then that's when we either stop questioning or the only way we can continue to question is by leaving so we um i i see two kinds of deconstruction one is theological and the other is ecclesiological Mm. some people deconstruct from the church they've become disillusioned with the church, with its leadership, with its control, with its uh, greed, um, with its uh, exclusion of certain people, with its abuse, and and they leave the church. But they may not deconstruct theologically at all. Mm. Uh, Now, if somebody deconstructs theologically, they most often deconstruct ecclesiologically as well. Yeah. So I, I see both of those movements happening. The people I'm most concerned about are people who are deconstructing theologically uh, because that's, that's very, very traumatizing and there's no help out there.
0: So your group is a safe group for people that are on that journey of deconstruction. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Is, that, is that open for others to join in? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, The thelastingsupper.com is where it's at. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's $15 a month, um, because it takes a lot of time and work to run the thing. Plus it's kind of a barrier of entry. Uh, it's very safe from trolls and people who just (laughs) want to stir up trouble. And, uh, so it's, uh, and people are very grateful to be able to pay that for that safe space. So, um, but yeah, so, so deconstruction, theologically, anything's up for grabs or everything's up for grabs. You can't say... I'm I'm deconstructing now, but I will never give up on my Jesus, (laughs) and I will never give up on God. Well, no, sorry. You know, it's the whole meal deal. Everything's going to, when when you start deconstruction, everything's going to come to question. I'm not saying you're going to become an atheist or an agnostic. You might become an even better believer one day. Who knows? You cannot predict where you're going to end up. Wow. Fast your seatbelt. That's control, always, right? The, try to enjoy the ride, <laughs> and you wherever you end up, you'll be glad you're there.
0: I had a really good buddy of mine. I met him about seven or eight years ago, and uh, when I met him, um, he was he walked in my office and um, he said, "I'm just here to shoot the shit about Jesus with you." That's it, and he described his his crisis of his own life. He said, "I don't know what to believe anymore." You know, I, I don't believe any of this stuff. Anymore. And then he, he said, but, but then something hit me, Jesus, that's it. It's all I can believe nothing. Else. There's everything else is, is up for grabs now. And he didn't even know what Jesus meant at that time. He didn't want to just stick with his traditional upbringing, but the journey of coming to the place of just open mm-hmm. that just changed that guy. And I've never seen anybody with a more authentic faith like, mm-hmm. in He taught me a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it was really quite powerful. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. And I think when you have those kinds of relationships where you can be honest and, and talk through faith without sounding religious, that's why he, you know, the free language is is swearing. You know, I'm not into the overt swear just to shock people, but it's not about the language. This is about real authentic conversation.
1: You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. I I talk with people every day. This is what I do. Uh, I help people deconstruct. And my, I'm not. I make this absolutely clear. I'm not trying to lead you anywhere. What I'm trying to do is is allow you to empower yourself to become Mm self-directing,
0: to become
1: spiritually independent. I call it. People, when I started using that word, spiritually independent, they're like. we're not supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be in fellowship with one another. I'm saying no. There's a difference, <laughs> yes, the difference. between being isolated and being independent. Yep. I'm an, an independent. Hopefully, I'm, I've grown up to be an independent human being. Hopefully, Lisa's grown up to be an independent human being, and we choose to become interdependent. Mm,
0: that's if, that's more beautiful,
1: right there. If, if I if I'm non-independent of am codependent, that creates a toxic kind of a relationship. So didn't, didn't, I, Stephen,
0: didn't Stephen Covey talk about that too? In a couple of his books, in his leadership books on, it's not about independence. We think independence is the goal. Um, and we think dependence is subversive and low on the totem pole, but interdependence,
1: interdependence. Is, is life. But it requires independence on the part of each person. I, right. I choose to be interdependent. If, if I'm in a toxic relationship where I feel needy and the other person's needy and it's this kind of codependent dependency kind of thing, mm-hmm. it's very sick and unhealthy and prevents growth. So, um, you know, I just encourage people, you need to start trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, you can have mentors, you can have guides, you can have spiritual directors, you can have pastors and so on, but you, you just don't, you're not like a, a, a baby bird in a nest, just taking whatever they th- shove down your throat. Yeah, you you discern: is this good for me? Is this bad for me? It's like a diet. You you learn what's good for you, what's bad for you, or exercise. And and um, and it's the same with your spiritual life. You, it's it's like uh, Nelson Mandela, right? Um, I am the master of my destiny, the captain of my ship kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's the same for each one of us spiritually.
0: One of the cartoons that I think you seems to sell the most of your stuff or, or the, the, your uh, clothes that you sell, whatever the hats, the shirts is the, the one with questions are greater than the answer. Is that? Oh, yeah.
1: Is that one of the top ones? Yeah. It's one of my most popular ones. Yeah. Okay. Question mark greater than sign and exclamation all right explain
0: that because that seems to describe you and what you're doing in all the (laughs) philosophy of your cartoons help me understand that one
1: yeah questions are greater than answers um in fact i have a whole book uh titled uh questions are the answer
0: oh good how many books have you written then nine Uh, (laughs) okay i'll give you a uh, give you a moment at the end to tell me about your books but tell me about i will okay
1: so questions are the answer, if, if you feel you have the answer, you're locked. You're locked in. You're done. But if you are open to the questions and mystery and you're curious, that's where growth happens. That's where you expand. And, and um, so that's why I claim questions are greater than answers. And, you know, if you look at the gospel stories, Jesus was a master question questioner. He he knew how to ask questions, and even when he was asked a question, he'd answer with a question. <laughs> so it's like um, if if we can open up our our minds to accept questions as a way to wisdom, um, I think we're well on our way to to growth.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I found your I found
1: the cover. So there's the yeah the book cover, and there look uh, Brad Jerzak gives me the. Uh, a recommendation at the bottom. Oh, oh, cool. Ha! Gary Larson meets Jeremiah. Gary Larson is the far side. <laughs> guy. Yeah. I love, listen, I love the far side. <laughs> That's so my really latest boring. book, my latest book is till doubt do us part when changing beliefs, change your marriage. Ooh. And um, what if you're not married? Can you still order it? Absolutely. If you're dating or even this even applies to family relationships, if, if what, you're what's it called when doubts, Till Doubt Do Us Part, oh. T-I-L, yep. D-O-U-B-T. Till
0: Doubt Do, okay, keep going. Tell us about that book. Yeah,
1: so it's, uh, I, you know, Lisa and I, when we went through deconstruction, our marriage went through a real major strain, and um, we made it. A lot of marriages don't make it. Um, so when beliefs change in your marriage, either yours or your spouse's or both, often it causes a lot of tension in the relationship and many marriages blow up. So I I wrote this book to help people um, find ways to maybe stay together or if they feel they need to go separate ways to do it in a healthy way. And um, so that's why I wrote the book and there's, I don't know, something like 30 chapters and a whack of cartoons in there and it's on Amazon and Kindle. So,
0: I just posted the picture here, so yep. looks good. Doubt. Yep.
1: I love the cover, eh? The two that's really cool. the question mark. Oh. Again.
0: Oh, that's good. I never caught that. Sorry. <laughs> that's that's cool. So that's not just for married folks. This can be for those that are also questioning doubt, have doubts, right? That's right. Or is it primarily for relationships? Because people are going to wonder. Well, no,
1: it's primarily for relationships. Now, I have other books, like I mentioned. Uh, I have another book, The Lasting Supper, Letters for Deconstruction, which is all about deconstruction. And questions are the answer. That's another book that would be helpful, uh, especially maybe uh, for people who are deconstructing and asking questions, but also for pastors, because it's basically my story Mm. about leaving, being in the ministry and then leaving the ministry and all that. So.
0: Okay, so you grew up where? Newmarket area, you said.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not far from you. Yeah. That's All right.
0: right. And then now you're living where?
1: Quispamsis, New Brunswick, just outside of Saint John.
0: Okay. <laughs> Very cool. So it's like eleven o'clock where you are, almost, right? That's right. All right.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, we're gonna wrap this up. I, I, I want to thank you for this time. This was really fun. A fellow yeah. Canadian, and uh, this topic is huge, and there's a lot of people hungry to learn more. Uh, They don't know where it's, uh, where a safe place is to deconstruct. They know they want to question things, but you can't in the church system. So I think this is exciting. And the more more they're exposed to good people like you, I think let's, let's keep this going. So.
1: Yeah. So to your listeners out there um, or watchers, uh, uh, you know, if you go to naked pastor.com, you can sign up for my email, but, I'm really good at responding. Uh, If you message me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I'm really good at answering. So if you have any questions or anything you'd like to ask me or talk about, just reach out to me. I'm really good at getting back to you.
0: That's awesome. All right, I'm gonna sign off, but I'll talk to you for just a moment as soon as I turn off the off part here and uh thank you again everyone for uh joining us today hope you enjoyed the conversation with david and go to his uh facebook page look at the cartoons his nakedpastor.com, i think it is or is it yep. ca. um there's a lot of great stuff there and it'll get you thinking it'll it'll make you laugh which is great therapy right now during covid um but uh just go take a look at that thanks again david and okay. we're going to sign off officially Bye, by clicking this off button